Broads, this episode is brought to you by Lumino. Would you ever guess that the products you're supposed to use to clean your mouth are often filled with ingredients that do a whole lot more harm than good for your smile? We know it makes zero sense, but most big brand toothpastes have things like bleaches, artificial dyes, and alcohol in them, which can end up causing damage in the long run, actually. So that's why we both use Lumino products, because Lumino toothpaste, mouthwash, and whitening products are all made using natural products that are good for your smile. They're not going to damage your teeth. We're talking about things like sea salt, aloe, coconut, all of which can get your teeth in tip-top shape without causing damage to the enamel. Formulated by dentists and backed by dozens of studies, Lumino products are your ticket to the smile you've always wanted. We love how our smiles feel and look, and we know you'll love Lumino as much as we do too. So get 15% off your order today by going to getlumino.com slash chatty and use code chatty. That's get L-U-M-I-N-E-U-X dot com slash chatty, code chatty to save 15% off. Get lumino.com slash chatty. Episode of Chatty Broads with Becca and Jess. Well, hello, Broads. Uh, happy day after Valentine's Day. This is being released. Yes. Hope you all had a wonderful V Day. Yes. Happy week of love. Week of love. And listen, we're like, what are we going to do the week of love? And I was very excited because I discovered matchmaker maria on instagram a little while back and i have to say maria though i am not single your advice has been changing my life so welcome to chatty bras (laughs) thank you for having me yeah i get a lot of uh it's all the married people that send me these messages (laughs) (laughs) why do you think that is um Well, I advocate for dating your spouse and dating your partner. Like just because you've gotten into a relationship doesn't mean you just, you know, let the ball drop. And, Mm -hmm. um, I think that that just provides a lot of clarity of what it means to be likable because you have to be with someone who chooses to like you for the next 30 years. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think that's what, I think that's what people in relationships get out of it. I also think one of the reasons why people in relationships might like to follow me on social media is because I do give them a, a glimpse into, you know, the single world, but I'm yeah. not single. So I know, I know what it's like to be single because I work with singles and I've obviously been single in this world, but at the same time, I'm giving them the like, here's what it looks like at the end of this road sort of thing. So you're, I have both of my legs in each lane. It's true. I kind of feel like a voyeur when I'm watching a little bit in all the best ways, because I'm like, you know, uh, I got into a relationship before there was any online dating. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I just love watching all the online dating advice and obviously, oh, yeah. you know, going through all my friends profiles and everything. So <laughs> seeing the oh, suggestions, yeah. I'm like, if you don't follow her, you're making a mistake. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> OK, I have some questions. So. When I think matchmaker, yeah, I'm like, what is a modern matchmaker? Because when I think matchmaker, I think fiddler on the roof. That's what I immediately think. So what is a modern matchmaker? And then also Jess said that you're a third generation matchmaker. So like, what's up with that too? You're from a family of I matchmakers. I want to hear all about weird? this. Yes. It's incredible. Um, it's weird because like my grandmother died really young. 
So I didn't have a chance to like talk to her. So a lot of my interactions with like that, that person in my life is adjacent with her sister. She, okay. So let's take a step back here. So my grandmother, her mother and her grandmother were all matchmakers. And what that means in Greece, I suppose at that time, and also Asia minor, because, you know, whatever, I'm not going to get into Greek history, but, um, <laughs> but what that means is that, you know, my grandparents were the best at making Greek coffee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and they were the best at keeping secrets. So people would come over, drink the Greek coffee and say the secrets. And so then when it came time to go to a community leader to ask for their advice of like, you know, arranged marriage, you know, uh, they would go to my grandparents and they would say, you know, oh, based on this, this, and they had a knack for it. That's what they were known for. Um, and of course, you know, they didn't get paid the way I get paid. They got, they had the social clout of that. And, you know, they may have gotten a monetary um, reward, but they also received, you know, a lot more of the rewards around the community. Like, Oh, here's a goat, uh, <laughs> here's some eggs for the rest of the year, you know, that sort of thing too. So there, it's a, it's, you know, it's definitely a community feel, uh, in this sense. And, and what is a modern day matchmaker? Hmm. I think a modern day matchmaker is someone who is a really great connector and very good at correspondence. So I think like most people, if you ask them, they have about four established networks, right? You know, let's say, I, I don't know you that well, but let's say you're, I'm going to assume that your established networks are maybe your childhood friends, your college friends or post high school friends that you made on your own, not in mm-hmm. a socially engineered environment. Uh, maybe you have some hobby friends, like maybe you do Peloton and you belong to a Peloton group and those are your hobby friends, or maybe you're in a sewing group and you go sew every Tuesday. That's a, you know. That's a real thing that I love. Um, And then your fourth group might be your place of worship if you participate in that or like some sort of spiritual center or yoga or something. So people tend to revolve around these like four groups. And what I think what a matchmaker does really well is that they usually are involved in at least 15 networks that might not necessarily have to do anything with their direct involvement. So when you hire a matchmaker, a modern day matchmaker, what you're hoping to do is tap into those networks. Mm. So for instance, for whatever reason, I belong to a medical professionals network. (laughs) (laughs) I am not a medical professional, but I enjoy listening to these conversations and being a part of them. Um, I belong to, I'm a member of, I'm, I'm one of those people that likes to host uh, book release parties. Well, pre pre COVID, I would love to host book release parties, and that brought me into this literary circle of New mm. York City. So you know, you have suddenly all these new things that just kind of bring a lot of people around your circle, and those circles don't necessarily overlap with each other. So when someone hires a modern day matchmaker, they're accessing all of these other circles that they would have never had access to. So what my grandmother did, and what I do are very different things, but Mm. they do come from the same place of judgment, which is like, okay, based on what I know about you, based on your shared values, based on your lifestyle, based on, you know, your 20 year goals, who do I know that is also looking for you as well? Mm. So it's more, it's almost more logistical than like, uh, I guess I've always sort of imagine it as sort of psychic, right? Like, oh, I'm picking up on your energy and I feel like this, it's like what you're saying is much more like practical and grounded in like, what is your life look like? It's a little intuitive, right? But like, I'll go back to, you know, so it's funny, like I said, like my grandmother died very young, but her sister, you know, she was her, her, her best sibling was a matchmaker. Her mother was a matchmaker, right? So, um, you know, having, 
had a really strong relationship with um, my mother's aunt, essentially. She would tell me all of these stories and I could never get enough of them. And one of those stories, which goes back to like, you know, if you want to talk about Fiddler on the Roof, we're talking about like Yentas now. We're talking about, yeah. like, you know, the old school. And that's my, mm-hmm. my grandmother belongs to that group of matchmakers, right? And so there was this instance where in the village, my, my grandmother lived on an island, in the village, there was a man who had an orchard of, you know, olive olive trees, right? Very typical. And in the next orchard, there was uh, grapes. And the in those two orchards, like there was a son and a daughter. And the idea was like, okay, those two should not marry because they might monopolize the island with <laughs> their goods. <laughs> so you have this like diplomatic yeah. way of creating relationships that might have a long-term value for the community as well. Interesting. That is. Interesting. Is matchmaking a big part of Greek culture? I guess I didn't know that. It used to be like pre-1980. It Uh was extremely popular. I think with the introduction in 1980, I could talk about this all day. Uh, The introduction of um, like, so Greece had a junta in like the late 60s and 70s. In 1974, the modern democracy was reestablished. And in 1980, the introduction of like Cosmopolitan came in and like uh-huh. these women's magazines, which started talking more about like love and romance. Mm-hmm. So it's like funny, like my husband's parents who are Greek and they're from an island, they are part of an arranged marriage. And I don't want you to think like arranged marriage, like they don't love each other or whatever. It's just right. like, that is just how people dated. Like, you know, my father-in-law, he came into town, into his village and said, okay, I'm ready to meet a wife. And the village people told him, okay, this is, this one's for you. <laughs> You know, she's for her. And of course she has to say yes, right? Like it's it both have to say yes. It's not my, so they got married in 1976. My parents met in the eighties and they got married in 1984. And my parents were post 1980 post love, love mm-hmm. is back romance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my parents chose to get married and I can see in the dynamic of these two relationships, how different they are as well. And I'm not advocating for which is better. I think ultimately choice is better, but I do believe that there was the an inter- introduction of what modern, what modern romance is supposed to be. And there's been so many waves of that since then, not just in Greece, in America, um, what that's supposed to look like. I mean, yesterday I was looking at this piece I did in 2018 on CNBC about, you know, the, the status of dating in 2018 and I'm looking at it and I'm like, wow, in 2022, this is a different planet again. Like we've hit a different wave of dating now right. where, you know, so much of our reality is digital. So, you know, there's just a lot of moving parts when it comes to, you know, the cultural implications of dating and also opportunities in dating. Okay, Broads, interrupting the amazing matchmaker Maria for one moment. Um, on any given day, I could have a to-do list of 30 things or more. I have a feeling I'm not the only one. From grocery shopping to work obligations to organizing that one closet everyone has in the house that somehow becomes a catch-all for random items. Oh, I need to take care of that. Um, our to-do lists are long enough. No need to add a trip to the pharmacy on top of it. But if you're on birth control, you might have thought that monthly trip to the pharmacy was inevitable. But not so if you use the Pill Club. The Pill Club is an online birth control carrier that stocks over 120 FDA-approved brands, and it ships to all 50 states. Most brands of birth control are free with insurance or Medicaid, and otherwise, prices start as low as $7 per month without insurance. So the Pill Club delivers birth control to your door for free in discreet packaging, along with fun self-care and goodies. So if you ever need to switch up your prescription, you can also just text their licensed medical team, and they're going to walk you through the whole process. 
I seriously recommend the pill club to all my friends that are on birth control. It might seem like going to the pharmacy isn't a huge deal, but I can tell you how much of a relief it is to totally take the thought of my prescription off the table. Each month it shows up at the doorstep on time, no matter what. You never have to give it a second thought. And right now, when you go to thepillclub.com slash chatty, the Pill Club is offering a $10 donation to bedsider.org for every Chatty Broads listener who becomes a patient. So your donation is going to help low-income individuals get access to birth control through bedsider.org. So go to thepillclub.com slash chatty to get your first birth control care package and donate to help more women in need of affordable birth control. Remember thepillclub.com slash chatty and you have to use that link in order for the donation to be made. So in the past few years, Becca and I have been going through the process of growing out our pixie cuts. Um, They'll probably come back eventually, but right now that's what we're doing. And I'm currently smack dab in the middle of the process. And, you know, for me specifically, I have talked about how my hair doesn't really grow, thinning hair, et cetera, et cetera. Broads, without a doubt, my number one tip as I'm growing out this cut, if I want longer, stronger, healthier hair, is Vegamore. It's the best thing for my hair so far. It's the thing that's really worked out of all the things I've tried is Vegamore. Yes, Vegamore seriously works wonders, you guys. I love their products. They have a 100% holistic approach to hair health, and they leverage smart botanicals that are actually clinically proven to promote physically visibly thicker, fuller looking hair. So there's only three steps. That's all it takes. No need for masks, fancy sprays, a 10 step after shower routine. No, just massage the Vegamore shampoo into your scalp for 60 seconds. Then you follow it up, follow it up with a conditioner. Afterwards, just massage in a drop full of the serum. That's it. Since I started using Vegamore, my hair really feels a lot healthier and it's helped my natural wavy texture become more defined. And I'm also in love with their dry shampoo because it doesn't have any of those nasty toxic chemicals that make me choke every time I spray it on my hair. I'm personally obsessed that the serum doesn't leave my hair greasy. That was always a problem for me with other products. Vegamore does not. I love it so much. It's so easy to apply and easy to remember to apply every day. And every single Vegamore product is 100% vegan and cruelty-free and never contains parabens or hormones, which if you know anything about hair care products, you know that's not the standard. Um, I saw a I saw a huge change in my hair after using Vegamore. But if you try it out and you really don't love your results, they're not for you. Vegamore has a 90-day money-back guarantee. But trust us on this one. You're going to love Vegamore. Try Vegamore risk-free for 90 days. Trust me, you're going to absolutely love them. Just go to vegamore.com slash chatty and use code chatty to save 20% off at V-E-G-A-M-O-U-R dot com slash chatty vegamore.com slash chatty mm-hmm. and also your view of your partner once you actually have the partner right like i think that that's really heavily influenced by cultural messages about like love and romance and sort of i think that can be really confusing especially when people get into five ten year marks just from what i've seen with my friends and family where it's like um my relationship does not look how it did in the beginning and how I've been told that like a soulmate is supposed to look or Mm -hmm. whatever. And I think that that can be really difficult for people to navigate. Greece does have the lowest rate. I think one of, if not the lowest, one of the lowest rates of divorce in Europe. And I, I, I don't have a thesis on this. I don't haven't done a study, but I, if I were to create a hypothesis, I would tell you it's because of this concept of Kubaria. So Kubari is a person that's like, whoever has influenced your relationship the most, they get to be your official witness at your wedding. 
Mm. And they also, depending on what part of Greece you're from, they might also get to baptize your first child. So in the eyes of the church or in the eyes of our culture, your chosen family, which is by oil, right? Because we use olive oil for a lot of our uh, religious ceremonies. Oil is thicker than blood. So your chosen family, your kubaria, is way more important than your blood family at, at some point, right? When you start making your own life decisions, when you start, you know, deciding who to marry and have kids. And when you have surrounded yourself with these complicated family structures, you know, these people that have a vested interest in your relationship because now they're related to you, you will find yourself communicating a little bit more about like, oh, I'm struggling with this, with these people, because they're supposed to be this like open door in in communication, you can see this a lot. I don't have a lot of friends who are evangelical, but the few that I do, not not because I don't, just because I live in New Jersey and I'm surrounded by Catholics. Um, but <laughs> we were both raised I, evangelical. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, so the yes, people that tend yes. to be evangelical, you'll see that I've noticed this. That it's like a very similar structure where it's like the community is around the couple. The couple doesn't exist in a vacuum, mm-hmm. and so the divorce rates again for evangelicals are also lower, and that is because they're supposed to like. I would, again, this is a hypothesis. I don't have a study, but it's like, since we're talking about it, since you have this community behind you, they're going to help you create the communication patterns you need to like help Mm. your relationship grow. Mm -hmm. Um, I happened to marry a Greek man. Like that was not something I was necessarily looking for. But when we started adding Gubadi, I know after we got married, you know, we have three from our marriage and then we have two for each child. So now we have seven people that are related to us by oil you know, by, in our culture, um, we talk to them extensively about our relationship, just like they talk about their relationship to us, because we're also related to them from these ceremonies. And, you know, sometimes people divorce and that's a perfectly valid life choice. I just think that before you decide to get married, there's a few conversations you have to have. And I think by having these structures around you, they might give you more opportunity to have them. I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that you won't get divorced. You could easily get divorced. Plenty of things happen. Um, The point is to find the right partner that's going to make you happy. Now tell us the- And make you feel equitable. Now I was gonna say, now tell us the conversations that one needs to have before (laughs) they, before you get married. And I'm also curious because um, I'm not married right now, but I always- think of my relationship with my partner actually like an arranged marriage because I got pregnant three months into us dating. Oh, goodness gracious. Yes, which was extremely difficult and excruciatingly painful emotionally at times. But it, um, we often talk about it like it's an arranged marriage because in a way it was like, well, it wasn't arranged by, by anything but fate, I guess, in a way. But um, it was like we were sort of, we had a choice but we also didn't have a choice at the same time to be like, you know, it was sort of like there's this thing bigger than us that we are choosing to let unite us. But it's not as if we went through the typical structure of like we're dating, we fall in love, we decide to get married, then, you know, and decide to have a life commitment. And then we have children. It was like the life commitment because my right. dad, my dad always told us he was like you know, you can get married and get divorced from someone and you can never see them again. But if you have kids with someone, you're going to see them for the rest of your (laughs) life, forever and ever. Forever Um, and ever. (laughs) Yeah. So we felt like we were bonded by this pretty intense life commitment really, really early on in our relationship. And sometimes it sort of feels like an arranged marriage in a way. Um, But anyway, we're still together now. 
like three and a half years together about four years this month and two kids now yeah oh wow yeah yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. so uh but you know we have a do you have a couples therapist um we have gone to one and we're looking into getting a new one just felt like it wasn't like the right fit Mm -hmm. um but yeah that is something we have done and then we separately do therapy I think couples therapy is the new, th- is the new wave in dating. I'm going to, uh-huh. if you were to ask me my trends for relationships, 2022 is the year of the couples therapist. Um, and a lot of that has to do with, you know, just entering popular culture. I don't know if you follow this amazing comedian, Joelle Nicole, mm-hmm. um, but she's actually a critics choice nominee for her special um, that came out. Uh, it's on the Peacock network and her special it revolves around a lot of couples therapy. Like she met a guy in March, I think on like March 1st of 2020. And then three months in, they're like, okay, let's move in together. Oh, yeah. But we need to do couples therapy at the same time because we need the tools to talk. And so yeah. much of her comedy special is revolves around that. And it's just it's such a brilliant way to look at it. And I'm noticing that new couples, baby, no baby, couples that, you know, I really respect you. I appreciate you. I acknowledge you. You're valid, all this other stuff, but I also want this to work and I need to learn how to communicate with you more effectively. Mm-hmm. Let's have a coach. Let's have a therapist. Mm-hmm. Let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise you can get just caught in the same bullshit again and again. And it oh, like doesn't, yeah. and it doesn't have to be that way. You know, sometimes we both like look at each other and we're like, this wasn't necessarily either of our faults. It was just like, there's a, di- there's a disconnect happening here that needs to get remedied. But I'm interested yeah. in those conversations you're talking about having before getting married, because we've just been talking about getting married, even though we're like, this is a uh, pretty, like, I know marriage is symbolism, but for us, it just feels like just kind of like a symbolic kind of fun thing to do. Because again, we feel like we already have a pretty intense life commitment to each other. But anyway, I'm just curious to hear what those conversations are. I don't think I don't I know you don't need my permission to tell you don't have to get married, but I just want to reiterate that like Mm -hmm. marriage is not for everybody. And if you've figured out how to be with your partner without that, by all means, keep doing that. Like nothing is going to change with marriage, except Mm -hmm. that you're going to have now a messier obligation to each other. Yeah. (laughs) Legally. Yeah. Legally, right? Yeah. That's what essentially a more changes. expensive yes. a more expensive potential ending. Yeah, that that's all it is. And I tell that all um, the time. You know, but if you feel like that symbol of marriage is important to you and your family, then do it. Right. So well, like, I want the wedding. Valid... I want the I want the very <laughs> just... fancy wedding and party, which I well, suppose I don't have to do party, without the actual have a marriage ceremony. Yeah. You don't have to Or we can just say we're getting married and yeah, we we can just say we're getting married and no one has to know that we didn't do any legal bullshit, right? Yeah, Whatever. I can, I can come. I'm not, I'm not uh, ordained in anything, so I can marry you. And perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> yes, I love I've done that. that before. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, but the conversations you should be having, so much of it revolves on two things, emotional resiliency, right? Like mm-hmm. how, you know, and not, none of us are born emotionally resilient, right? Like that's something we have to practice, right? We have to practice our self-awareness. We have to practice our coping skills. We have to practice the way we communicate um, effectively with each other. And this has to grow, right? Like you can meet someone who's not at their, you know, not near their emotional resilient potential, but they have to be in the lane of growth in there. So that's the big part of, you know, being in a strong, committed relationship is really dependent on emotional resilience. The second part is 
lifestyle compatibility. And a lot of that you could, some people could say, oh, that's financial compatibility and they would be correct, right? Your lifestyle Mm. is what is your value in how you spend your money? And what is your value in how you spend your time? Because some Mm. of that has to be complementary or similar to the person that you decide to get married to. We said it was messy because to get married to someone is to legally be in a financial bind with them. And so, you know, when you get divorced, there's a division of assets. Mm -hmm. So by understanding a little bit more about your relationship with money and look, I'll admit I had a very poor relationship with money upon going into college because I grew up with parents who never talked about money. Mm -hmm. So I had to make a ton of mistakes and learn from those mistakes so that when I was finally ready to be in a serious relationship, I remember talking to my husband when he was my boyfriend and I would share like, you know, I never learned how to use money. Here are the mistakes I made. Here's what I've learned. Here's the goals that I have for the next 20 years. And these were organic conversations in the first like two months of dating. And if you're wondering how to have those organic conversations, hop in the car and go drive somewhere for three hours, go mm-hmm. away for a weekend. You'll have all those conversations in the car, just turn off the music. Mm-hmm. And that is what, you know, that is a big signifier of like, you know, how do you evaluate risk? How do you evaluate big life moments in that lifestyle? I'll give you a few examples. Things you can ask is if my parent gets sick, what happens? If your parent gets sick, what happens? Mm. You know, are you going to throw money at it? Are you going to, are they, they going to live with you? Like these are, these are big lifestyle conversations that still revolve around money. Um, when you, when your children become of age, are you paying for their college or not? Do you want to buy a home? What happens if we don't, if we outgrow the home, do we just stay in this home? Or are we looking for something else? Where do you envision yourself growing? What are the values you want to give to your child? Like so much of that is not emotional. So much of that is financial. Yeah. And then the third thing I've learned that helps, that helps a long-term relationship be healthy and fun is that I think both people have to live on the same moral plane. And what I mean by that is, especially in the States, some of this sounds now going a little, might sound a little more political because for whatever reason, we've attached a lot of our morality to politics in this country. That is not the case in most countries in Europe and Asia. Mm. But um, I mean, I guess some, in some cases, I I suppose in Asia, but like, um, and parts of Northern Europe, but for the most part, right? If you are the kind of person, for instance, who believes that a woman should have access to her full health care without the government getting involved. You should be with someone who believes in that as well, because by not ha- sharing the same moral plane on this, like not sharing the same beliefs in this, it could make other things difficult. And I'm just using one anecdote. Um, how about or like in this country, we, for instance, depending on the state, we have, you know, certain gun control or lack of gun control. Right. Again, that goes falls back into the moral plane. Are you the kind of person who, um, like, what is your relationship with with these sort of debates? And how do we problem solve? What is our risk assessment with these sort of topics? It's a lot easier to be with someone who shares in your values. I'm not saying they have to vote like you. That's not what I'm saying here. What I'm saying, though, is unfortunately in this country, like I said, we do have a lot of our morality tied to politics. Mm -hmm. It's a lot easier to be in a relationship with someone that you respect in the sense of because we share the same Mm -hmm. morality, figure out what that what that is to you and how important that is to you. For Mm -hmm. some people, by the way, that doesn't matter at all. You could be like, oh, yeah, we don't have to agree on anything. Let's make it happen. And that's fine. That's totally fine, because there is also 
you know, it's not about just relative morality. It's also about what is your relationship with that relativity? Mm-hmm. Right. It's kind of just like, how do you guys see the world? Right. And if someone is dead set on the, like that, this, 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 and this, that they believe is the only right way. And you disagree on those things. It's going to cause a lot of friction. Right. Which is going to make things just potentially more difficult in your relationship. I mean, you have children too. You have to think about how you're going to communicate your certain values to your kids. You know, I'll give, someone asked me, so my son tap dances. He's four years old. He goes to tap dance class every Friday. And I get a lot of comments and it's never comments like, oh, did he want this or whatever? It's always like, the question is always, do people comment about your kid going to dance? That's the question. (laughs) And and I know what they're insinuating. And I've always said to people, I am with a spouse who self-describes himself as a feminist. And we both believe in an equitable relationship, not an equal relationship, an equitable, right? We take over each other. We, we use our own strengths to lift ourselves up as a team. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so my husband and I, we chose to not participate in gender coding as much as we can. It's very easy to fall into these things. But for instance, I'll give you an example. My son saw me paint my nails the other day and he's like, I want to paint my nails. Sure. And I said to him, no, but I didn't say to him because he's a boy. I said to him, no, you can't paint your nails because you're four. (laughs) I have a daughter too. And I would never say, I would never say something to her as like, you can't do something because you're a girl. Mm -hmm. Well, maybe except pee standing up. That's not (laughs) it. She's tried, you know, she's learning how to potty train. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the same thing with my son, I have to give him the same language as well. So he can understand his world around him. And I'm sure if I was with a different partner who doesn't believe in this, mm. it, there would be very different conversations around our kitchen table. Mm-hmm. Mm. So maybe the problem is sometimes when people get paired that they maybe don't actually, maybe they make a lot of assumptions about how the other yes. person feels about certain things. And then it comes up and you're like, what do you see do you see people is that something that you regularly see is people making assumptions because they want love badly that they're just they'll just kind of put up the blinders a little bit i mean i don't think it's a choice i think it's a physiological um uh a drive i guess right so like you know if you get intimate um, you're going to release oxytocin. Mm-hmm. And for women, that creates blinders. You know, all the pink flags that you may have seen, should you not have been intimate, they become, they are not apparent, right? You're wearing the rose-colored glasses, pink flags are, are just invisible. Mm-hmm. And that's a physiological response from your body to make sure that you mate. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, there's, there's, I can't fault someone for entering a bad relationship. All I can do is give them the data that says, well, listen, if you just wait a little bit before getting intimate, just a little bit, I'm not asking you to wait like six months, maybe just two, three weeks. You can learn a lot about this person's emotional resilience, about their values, about how they might treat you on a good day. Forget the Mm -hmm. bad day. I want to see how someone treats you on a good day because you can learn a lot about someone on those days. Then, you know, should this, should you like this person? Because we make a lot of, we, we make a lot of excuses for certain characteristics that we think society should have. I'm not, I'm not sure if you followed a few weeks ago, this West Elm Caleb story. Yeah, no, I didn't, but I heard, I heard of it. Yes. I heard of it as well. I just kept going up on my feed, but basically this gentle, yes, no, yeah, yeah. He like messaged a lot of women at this, like. I guess the same messages 
He was kind of love bombing, I guess. He sent the same Spotify playlist. Like it's like a whole, like he had basically a science to getting women on a date, right? All these girls in New York. And basically they all, all realized that yeah. it was the same guy <laughs> doing the same shit to all and of them. When I was hearing this, I all, my only question was when someone was telling me this was like, how tall is he? Yeah. And they said six foot four. And I was like, well, duh. Like, I'm not <laughs> saying that tall men do this. I'm saying that women in New York where the men are, you know, they're shorter in New York. Yeah. So women in New York will put up with a lot. For a tall if a guy. man is really <laughs> tall. Like they don't have to work that hard is what you're saying. Yeah. I did that. They'd be like, get the hell out of here. Yeah. But a six foot four guy doesn't. It's like, oh, it, it, I'll, it's okay. Yeah, it's you know, right. let's, let's move on. You know, and, and and I'm telling you, there's it's like it's insane. You know, New York City, it just attracts a certain personality type too. I'm not talking about the natives. I'm talking about the transplants who come yeah. in, the people who have moved to Brooklyn and and Lower Manhattan to you know do the jobs that they've been brought in to do. Um, it does bring a certain temperament. It does bring a certain attachment style, and I think dating can be really rough on single straight women in, in Manhattan and Brooklyn and Queens. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's interesting advice too. I, I feel like a lot of people, people have written it off um, when you said just like wait a little bit before being like sexually intimate with someone. I think people write that off a lot because they're like, oh, that's not feminist. But I, I will say this. When I was in high school, before I was sexually active, I was extremely selective about guys that I would talk to or date. And almost always, I called it like the three month rule. And like no guy would make it past three months of dating. I'd be like, I'd get bored. I wouldn't, I would think that he was, you know, didn't, we didn't match up in certain ways. And I'd be like, bye. And um, that changed a lot in early adulthood when I was sexually active. I did realize that I was ending up with people where if I had just like, pumped the brakes on the relationship a little bit and almost given it the three months without having a certain level of intimacy, like I probably would have kicked him to the curb and it probably would have been better in the long run. So on Instagram, I have a highlight reel called the 12 date rule. I don't know Uh if you've heard of this. Uh -uh. Have you heard of this? Okay. So this is probably what I'm most famous about, I guess. There's a few things I'm famous about. I'm also famous for hoe faces, um, which is <laughs> a mindset. It's not a noun or a verb or an active. It's just the mindset of just having sex with someone without the idea of like, it has to be a relationship. Yes. So you can yes. date without that goal. Yes. Um, but the 12 date rule is a method that um, I developed, I suppose, to help women specifically navigate emotional compatibility with men, like get to know the emotional compatibility function without the distraction of sex. Hmm. And 12 date rule has Maria date math. So I'm always being quoted back. And I want you to know, since I've published this, like publishers, I've put it out. And in the world I've received, at this point, I've received over a thousand messages from couples that it worked for them. I get, I get at least three a day over the last year. Um, so it's way over a thousand at this point. Um, <clears throat> so what the 12 date rule does. So first of all, I said, Maria date math. So date, a date to me is anything that is a, anything, excuse me, a date to me is a phone call, a video call, or an in-person date that is at minimum 20 minutes, oh, maximum okay. three hours. Okay. And okay. you can have up to two dates in one day. Okay. So let's say you go to a brunch date and then you decide to go for a walk and you hit the four hour mark. Congratulations. You just hit two dates. Okay. <laughs> Phone calls count as dates as well. Right. So 20 minutes, you know what this does. So and of those dates, three out of the 12 have to be in person. Okay. Okay. 
the whole point again is to learn four things. One, what are they like on a bad day? Two, what are they like on a good day? Three, what, how do they treat you when you're having a bad day? And four, and this is the most important, how do they treat you when you're having a good day? Because let me tell you, there are some guys out there where you're like, oh, I'm going to brunch with my besties and they'll pick up a fight for whatever mm. reasons so that you can think about them. Look at you. Like they're they're sure. they're you can't see, I don't know if you can see it if you're watching this on video, <laughs> but if you're listening, they're agreeing. <laughs> I mean, so, <laughs> so, so, you know, with that in mind, right? This is not purity culture. I don't promote that. I, I, you know, sex, you can define it the way you want. Not all of us have vulvas, not all of us or vaginas, not all of us have penises. Like it's not just penetration. You can mm -hmm. decide what sex is, right? Mm -hmm. If you want to give a man a blowjob, by all means, if that's mm -hmm. not sex to you, go for it, right? Mm -hmm. What I just want you to do is be more mindful about your emotional compatibility while you're getting to know him. And, and usually two things happen. He's either not going to make it 12 dates, which fantastic. I, don't want you having sex with someone um, who you think is trash that couldn't make it to 12 dates mm -hmm. or two, you do make the 12 dates. And a lot of those instances, he's in love with you already. Like mm -hmm. he's ready to go. He made it there. He's in it. You've, you've, you've made a decision. Now it might not enter a relationship. It might not, but at least you're making an informed decision over what's, what's happening to you on a physiological level. Mm. Um, Again, I'm not the person who promotes purity culture. This has nothing to do with purity culture. This, ha this has full on to do with emotional compatibility. Now, I want to point out one thing. At no point in Maria Date Math did I talk about texting. And in 2022, and this has been happening for years, but even more so right now, people are falling in love over text. Uh -huh. You meet someone on Hinge, you text, text, text. You've spent the last three days texting someone all day, mm -hmm. you're getting feelings. You're probably even getting aroused. And that's not a relationship that texting is not dating. So a 20 minute phone call, that's a date to me. That's a minimum 20 minute phone call. That's a date, which by the way, look at your phones, look how you don't have that many phone calls that are more than 20 minutes. No. <laughs> okay. Usually phone calls are two minutes maybe 17 at most. So 20 minutes, you want to hit that mark to get to the first date or, you know, a date. Texting, you can text someone for four days straight. It, it, you did nothing for date math. And voice notes don't count. I can't, I cannot express <laughs> that enough. So basically you're saying try to take physical intimacy off the table for 12 dates. What, 12 dates, which again, yeah. if, with my date math, that could be in two and a half weeks, three right. weeks max. Right. Like it's not, it's not going to take long to get there. It's just more conscientious of how much time you're spending with someone. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I always go back to, um, I always think about like the Pepsi CEO, right? When Pepsi was trying to decide a CEO, they hired someone in house, but it took them like a couple years to figure out who the next CEO is going to be. Mm -hmm. And I don't know about you ladies, but I don't care about the Pepsi of CEO, like the CEO <laughs> of Pepsi, do you? Like that does not affect my day to day, no. right? But Pepsi took a couple of months. So why, oh, why do we think that we know everything about someone to make a lifetime commitment within the first three dates of going out with someone, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Like you, you have to be in here for the long game. Who is your co-CEO in life? <laughs> this is going to take a couple of weeks, a couple, you know, to, to figure out. And then from there, once you've gone those couple of weeks after that, every date for the next year is just to verify those feelings in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And to navigate those obstacles you might find in your communication or your values or your alignment in general as a couple, like that is what dating should be. 
Okay, broads, one more quick pause. So if it sort of feels like when it comes to family planning, a lot of it has the I'll cross that bridge when I come to it type of mentality. Can I just say right here and right now, that's not exactly the best way to handle your future or your family's future if that's what you want. But I know it can be extremely overwhelming. But with the help of modern fertility, decisions around family planning are a whole lot easier to make because you have all the information you need to do so. Exactly. That's literally exactly why modern fertility was created. It's a really easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with just a simple finger prick. You're going to take the test at home. Once you're done, you just mail it back with a prepaid label. And in just 10 days, you're going to have your personalized results. You're going to get so much useful information like insight into your hormone levels insight into how many eggs you have and so much more. And then you can use that info to guide the future that you want. And I've seen now, I have multiple internet friends who have used modern fertility to make a plan um, to have kids in the future. And I feel like that's just really empowering. Modern Fertility even offers a one-on-one consultation with a fertility nurse to review your results and options. Uh, If you were to take these same tests at a doctor's office, you could be looking at a bill, well, into the thousands of dollars, but with Modern Fertility, you'll get all the same information for just $159. Plus, you don't have to make an appointment or wait in a waiting room. And right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners $20 off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash chatty. So that means that your test is going to cost only $139 instead of the hundreds or thousands it could cost at a doctor's office. So get $20 off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash chatty. That's modernfertility.com Broads, I wanted so badly to be the woman who knows her stuff when it comes to wine, but that was apparently just not in the cards for me. I have my few go-to bottles at the grocery store that I'm fairly confident are passable at a dinner party and do the job, but beyond that, I'm at a loss. It's either stick to the few bottles I know or pick a bottle at random typically based on the label, let's be honest, uh, and run the risk of being disappointed in my choice. But there's actually another option, and that's signing up with First Leaf and being guaranteed a good bottle. Well, actually, not just one good bottle, but a lot of good bottles. First Leaf is a wine club that curates and ships wine to you, and it's completely personalized to your taste. Because after each bottle, you give feedback, and then First Leaf uses that feedback to pick out bottles for your next shipment. And because First Leaf works directly with winemakers, you're going to get access to tons of amazing wine for 60% off the retail price. It's pretty incredible. Like I said, I'm not exactly a wine expert, but since signing up for First Leaf Wine Club, I have learned so much, like what varieties I like, what different regions specialize in which wines. I've even found tons of new favorite bottles that I for sure never would have picked up at a store because... I never would have known I liked them. Uh, First Leaf is so confident you'll love the bottles they pick for you. They even offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love a bottle they send, simply send it back. If you love finding and tasting new wine, First Leaf is a no-brainer. Just join today and you'll get six bottles of wine for only $29.95 and free shipping. Just go to try First Leaf dot com slash chatty that's six bottles of wine for $29.95 and free shipping at tryfirstleaf.com slash chatty mm-hmm. and also like you know chemistry can you i think all of us have been in unhealthy relationships that have been fueled by chemistry and i like Absolutely. how you break it down too where you're like well this is a biological drive you know like your our bodies are like 
procreate. That's what we're like programmed to do. So it's like, it makes sense that it could be very confusing and mix us up with a person that we might be biologically compatible with to make babies, but not so much to have a healthy partnership for the rest of our lives. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I'm thinking too, it's like, so, you know, I'm not single, but I, when I married my husband, we came from both super conservative homes. So it was very much like, don't have sex until you get married and all these things. And, and, you know, now, yeah. So now, I mean, we, we had sex, you know, we, (laughs) we lived lived our little secret. Oh, did you have sex already? (laughs) Yeah, we did. (laughs) But but we lived our little secret lives. Mm -hmm. But because I was raised in that perspective, you know, when sometimes I would hear these things like, wait to have sex until like you were saying this many dates, Years ago, my brain would go, no, because my brain attaches that attaches that with purity culture and sex yeah. shaming. And, and I was repression. like, and yeah, repression. Yeah. I'm like, let me be who I want to be. And if I want to have want sex, you to be who you be. Listen, if right? you want to, I don't know if I'm yeah. allowed to curse. Am I allowed to curse? <laughs> please, yes. please. Yes. If you want to choke on his cock on the first date, <laughs> yes. then you it. have my blessing. <laughs> I am not, I am not a purity culture, um, like. I don't believe in that. And I'm, yeah. I'm very sex positive. Do all the stuff you want right. to do. I'm just asking you to like not take it to the final level. Yeah. Right. Well, and that's what I'm saying. I love, though, then when you're breaking it down, because it's like, listen, when I think about being single now, I would be wanting to have a hoe phase to the max because it's like I've been in oh, a relationship yeah. for however long. That's it. But when I'm ready to be in a relationship, then it's like, yeah, you better believe that if I'm just... I'm, I will get emotionally attached uh-huh. or I will have to a certain extent a different perception of you someone. You might gloss over some things of that course. you wouldn't otherwise. Of course. It's crazy. Um, I know my husband's not going to listen to this podcast, so I can't say <laughs> um, He listens to like cooking and serial killer podcasts exclusively. <laughs> um, so I, uh, this boy, this man, I had a crush on a very, very long time ago. Um, when I was in high school, he, him and I, we always, I think, wanted to date each other. But every time he was single, I was in a serious relationship. And then every time I was single, he was in a serious relationship. Mm -hmm. So he happened to friend me on Facebook like a few months ago. And I was like, I think I was friends with him and I think I unfriended him. I wonder why Mm -hmm. I decided to open up the messages. Like I could see our message history. And this was the last message exchange was six weeks before I met my husband. And he had told me, Hey, I've just broken up. And I asked him, Oh my God, I'm single too. That's great. And I remember asking him like, like, is it fully broken up? Or do you think you're going to get back with her? Because I need you to know that at this point in my life, like now I was 28 years old. I said to him at this point in my life, I am noticing that when I get intimate with someone, I I'm that's it. I'm attached and I can't put myself in an environment or a scenario where I'm all in with someone that's still thinking about their ex. So if we're going to finally do this, something that we've been waiting for like 12 years to do, I need to know that I'm allowed to fall in love with you. Mm. And he was like, Oh no, I like, uh, he's like, well, at first he's like, I think I like, I'd love to still go out. I, I still want to go out with you. I want to, I want to exp- you know, want to explore this, you know, like he was like kind of being serious. And then like two hours later, he's like abort, like (laughs) I'm getting back with my ex. And I knew it because like he had yet to delete the photos of her. So I knew something was happening and he ended up marrying her and I'm happy for him. There's no, 
I'm not upset or I'm only happy for him, you know, whatever. But to be in that scenario where I was like, I knew at that time, like I remember in like every guy that I dated that year, I just felt like, shit, my body is really working against me right now. Like I Mm. feel like this overwhelming attachment to this person, which if I met them three years ago, I'd be like, okay, this is going to last six weeks. Then I can just move on. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't moving on. So then I just became a lot more by being honest, not only with him, but even with myself about what was happening, I became a lot more deliberate on who I was going to go on dates with. And it was funny, like people ask me all the time, can you have a hoe phase while doing 12 date rule? And I'm going to tell you absolutely yes, Mm. because there's a way to deliberately date and get to know someone. But until you find that someone to deliberately date, it's good to have a buddy. Yeah. (laughs) To get that pressure off of you as well. Mm -hmm. Mm. I think that love uh, a fuck buddy. Yeah, love a fuck buddy. I think that <laughs> yeah, that's... and the only way to have a fuck buddy is to like they have to have some sort of trait, like usually in their value systems, where you're just like, I could never, yeah. <laughs> like I, I could secretly never hate love you. you. <laughs> I could never procreate yeah. with you. You are, you are, mm. and I, I remember who that was for me. And yeah. before I met my husband, I was just like, we would never, like you are annoying. <laughs> you're a bad person but this is good this part is good you're a bad person but you know how to make me come yeah Great. exactly this is gonna That's work all fabulously. we need well i think all this has to do with like being honest with yourself right of like mm-hmm. what like what you just described is like what am what do i want what am i looking for and like how am I going to feel if I go here or go there potentially with this person? And like, am I ready for that? Are they ready for that? And like getting honest, even when it might be inconvenient to get honest with yourself. Cause yeah, there's been a lot of times where I've been like, I know if I'm being honest with myself, where I'm at, where this person's at, but I'm like, cause in the moment you, you know, when I met my husband, I remember like, I think it was our second, uh, like I guess our second physical official date, let's say. So like when I met my husband, I met him through friends and we spent like three hours together that night. Right. Which counts date one, boom, mm-hmm, done. Check mm-hmm, mark, yeah. Right. The next day we did, um, seven hours. We did the Boston freedom trail walk. Mm-hmm. We stopped for clams. Fun. We like did the whole thing. So it was so much fun. Went to like the Christmas market. It was great. Um, and then that night he took me out for cocktails to Hawthorne's, which RIP does not exist anymore. Uh, I think it's a victim to the pandemic. Anyway. So did you? that's four dates in two days. I know. You can only have a maximum of two dates in one day. So technically oh, okay, that's three okay, 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 okay. So, because it's a maximum of six hours in one okay. day. So uh, yeah. like a date. So anyway, so we've had three dates. So on, on let's say our, our third official date, you know, we, I don't know if I was going to date this person, but at some point he asks me, like, I think on his own, you know, cause he lived in Boston and I lived in New York at that time. He's like, what are you, what are you looking for? Like, what do you, what do you envision? You know, we're on a date. What's going on. And I said to him again, I'm not thinking about him. I'm thinking about me. And I said to mm-hmm. him, I would like my next serious relationship to lead to marriage. What he understood is what I hope he understood, which was like, I don't know if that's with you. Right. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you that the next guy that I make an exclusive commitment to I'm going to be dating him in the lens of, could I marry him? And then I have mm-hmm. to keep dating him to verify, yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes. I have to keep putting in the time. He would propose two years later. But I remember like three or four months in thinking, oh, yeah, we're now just dating to just get to know each other, learn about our risks, learn about our values, learn about all these things that will take time to learn until finally, you know, 
we decide to make that legal commitment to each other. Mm. And um, I was honest with him. What was he going to, what was exactly, what was he going to do exactly with that honesty? He was either going to be like, oh yeah, I'm not looking for a serious relationship right now. So I am not on the same page. Great. He's going to say, awesome. That sounds grand. I would love for my next year's relationship to lead to marriage. And that's exactly where he was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or what about, yeah, I guess he could also lie. Or not I be suppose, totally honest with himself, but you're going to figure, then you're going to figure look, that out. He could yeah. say that, right? He could yeah. say, I'm looking for a serious relationship. That again, that goes back to like, that doesn't mean my next serious relationship is with you. This is a third date. Yeah. Um, I have to keep dating you to discover if we are going to be in an exclusive relationship, a serious relationship. You're my boyfriend. You know, you have, these things don't happen in a vacuum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How, so, so how would you define a serious relationship? Because when you're talking about like dating, just with my history and friends, I know sometimes it's like, you know, this person's your boyfriend, girlfriend exclusive, like, you know, two weeks in six, five right. or six dates in. Um, wow. but I feel like you're, <laughs> you're like, wow. <laughs> um, I, I think if you I've haven't met their friends, yeah. Especially if you've met online. If you haven't met their friends, you're not in a serious relationship. Oh, talk about the friends, please. This is so interesting to me. Like, how, especially if you met online or if you met out and about, like not through friends, just like, let's say you met, yeah. you know, whatever, waiting in line at Starbucks or Whole Foods. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, how can you possibly verify that this person is single? Uh-huh. And available uh-huh. and also not a complete dipshit yeah. if uh-huh. you don't meet their friends. I remember um, I dated this one guy and we, and he, he met my friends like immediately, yeah. but he would just avoid like me meeting his friends. And I was already suspicious. And I finally meet his friends, I think two or three months in. And the first thing that comes out of his, one of his best friend's mouth is what are you doing with this asshole? Oh, and b- I broke up with that guy that night. I was just like, thank you. You told me everything I needed to know about this person because mm-hmm. you don't know me. And yet you felt comfortable enough to subconsciously tell me that your friend is an asshole. <laughs> right. That I deserve better. Great. And like, <laughs> no one would ever talk about my husband like that to me. Like when I met right. George, there is not a scenario in hell that any of his friends would ever speak like that about him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, I, I met him with all of our, like with all of his friends. I only know two people in that room when I met him, but all of his friends were there and it was great to see him in that scenario. And of course he met my friends three weeks later when we had the opportunity to, because he was visiting, you know, New York. Um, but, you know, you have to put yourself in these situations where it's like, you know, Hey, if we want to be an exclusive relationship, I have to meet your friends. Yeah. It's not needy to Tell people, communicate people your expectations in a relationship that make you feel acknowledged and not confused. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. That, that's exactly what someone on a podcast, actually a guy that I briefly dated, and I always quote him on the podcast because he, I <laughs> felt like he gave such good nuggets of like guy dating wisdom in that episode. He said like, you're, if he likes you, you're going to know. If he doesn't, you're going to be confused. Right. Oh. But like, yeah, imagine if, you, like, if he the likes heart, you, you so can true. literally say anything. If he right. likes you, you can communicate. You can, if he likes you, you can send a thank you text. I know some dating influencers don't believe in that, but I believe in it. I feel like if you like someone and you want to go on a second date, absolutely send a thank you text. Like, hey, I had a really great time. I got yeah. home safely. Thank you so much for a lovely evening. Yeah. 
what is he going to do? If he doesn't want to see you again, maybe he doesn't reply. If he yeah. does want to yeah. see you again, wow, you've given him any excuse. Right. Right. To talk like, to you. Text you. Are you right. kidding yeah. me? Yeah. <laughs> yes. No, it's so when you were talking earlier about like the oil being thicker than blood, I'm thinking now I'm like, you know, there's always this conversation of when are you going to meet the family? And of course, I'm not saying that's not important, but you can't choose your blood family. So like I'm not I'm weird about family. mm -hmm. Okay. So if friends, like I said, right, oil is thicker than blood. So chosen right. friends is so much more. And I think that's what you were getting. Yeah, at. that's so what I was saying. Because I'm, I'm like, sorry, no, 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 no. I was, I'm saying like, for me, I'm like, I love my my family. But guess what? My family and I are very different. And I we don't right. hold a lot of the same values. So if right. that person is going to bank off of meeting my family, I'm like, I'm very different from my family. But my friends, right. that's when you know me. Those are the people exactly. I've chosen to bring in my life. So that makes so much sense. It's like, no, these are my chosen. These are my chosen people. So it's, you're going to find out so much. I there was once this guy when I was single that I was talking to and we were going we had gone on a couple dates and um, he had met my friends and he loved my friends and da da da. And I was always kind of like, when are we going to meet up with yours? Da, da, da. Always avoiding it, always avoiding mm-hmm. it. Well, it turns out it's because he was in a relationship like you said, yeah, yeah yeah he was in a proper yeah. relationship and he was cheating and i had no idea they have like a second family yeah pretty <laughs> basically basically but it's like it oh, reminds me of this why. um it was funny i was listening i don't know if you know this podcast it's called uh, i think narcissist no it's called what went wrong mm. and um in one of the seasons the woman was like oh you know he never introduced me to any of his friends i just had a i just had a texting relationship with his friends and they Weird. were like kind of leading her on for a whole year. Weird. And it turns out that he was the person texting them. He had yeah, two of phones. Course. And Weird. I was like, duh. Oh, like, yeah. And of course, I always go back to like, how tall was he again? Oh, he yeah. was six foot four. Uh, okay. You just. <laughs> you were lost. Go back in the to sauce. episode one of that season when she's like, he's this tall, six foot four, blonde. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, okay. You, you know, if a five foot eight guy said, you can't be my friends, here's a texting relationship with them, you'd be like, get the hell out of here. Yeah. You're also going to learn a lot about someone by their friends, too, right? Like, maybe like they you meet their friends right away, but like, are the friends all like douchey, bro y assholes mm-hmm. and like bitchy girls? There is a caveat to this okay right? yeah. there are people who are friends with people from high school sure high school is a socially you know not just not just high school like your family friends you know the people yes. that your parents are friends with oh yeah i'm you friends know. with yes. total assholes for sure that right. i've known all my life and i <laughs> right. tolerate and those them are, those are nostalgia friends right yeah. those are social engineered go environment friends, back. and yeah. i will give a pass to those friends uh, yeah most that's times, fair right like, that's fair i'm not saying how they talk about your partner to you i'm not yeah. saying that what i'm saying is if they're kind of douchey to you throw it away yeah. look right. at who his chosen friends are post high school okay that will tell you just so much mm-hmm. about like who he respects who he values she values it's not just on the men yeah. it's also the women like i see like some of the women in my own community like they are surrounded by drama and it's like well you've chosen to surround yourself <laughs> by drama like you that was your choice mm-hmm. yeah yeah. Or you're choosing to not leave it. Right. You might be like, oh, God, all the drama. But you're still making a conscious choice. To I not understand get not leaving like the nostalgia relationships, yeah, 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 the yeah. high school ships, because yeah. it's like siblings. Right. It's like they know your past. So they understand the foundation of your values. I understand mm-hmm. giving that. But like anyone post high school, it's like you don't have to. There's no you could just drop them like they could uh-huh. just be a chapter in your book of life. You don't have to take them to the end. You don't have to take them. 
to the acknowledgements at the end, you know? Yeah. And on the flip side, we always talk about how it's also a red flag when someone doesn't have any friends that like date back farther than the last couple years. That's something that we talk about a lot. And I wonder if you agree. We're always like, someone only has friends that are fairly new friends, not long established friends. I think that's a red flag. I'm like, why I've never do you not thought about that? But I would have to agree with you. Like thinking about it right now on the spot, I would, if, you, if you're telling me all of your friends are from the last six months, unless you just moved to that city, but sure, sure, I still, sure. I'm still, wouldn't you still know. maintain relationships from past places? Unless suppose, you've literally been like yeah. military childhood, you know, whatever right. the, the one off. But for most of us, we have the opportunities to establish relationships and maintain them. And if someone doesn't have any of those friendships i always think that's odd i always i find it a red flag if a man doesn't have any friendships mm, yeah, um no, that's because weird. because in, in not just the friendship part not the loner part but it has to do with like communication range so like but you know how like there's like they say like oh women talk more than men it's because women have a lot more relationships with other women than men Mm. And as a result, because you talk so much, you have a stronger control and sense of your emotional range. Not all women, but a lot of women, they can express themselves a lot better than most men. And that's because they have the practice. And so, you know, I always like think to myself, like a man should have at least two or three solid friendships, even if they live in a different state. Can they call them every other week? Have those one hour conversations, even if it's just a drive home, just to catch up with someone commit to a relationship that's not just based on sex or based on a physical intimacy uh, Mm. scenario. So, you know, I always like to look at these relationships and that's a really good dating question. You know, tell me a little bit more about your friends and how do you invest in these relationships? Um, You can learn a lot about someone and how they talk about their friends and, and, you know, believe them in what they're saying. I'm just like, I'm, I'm sorry, my brain is spinning because I'm like, there's I have a few friends where they're they've been in relationships for a while and like they still really don't know the friends. And it's it is always just uh, as a friend, there's always that red flag where I'm going like, what is going on here? So Mm. these are good nuggets. Mm. Okay, (laughs) so back to the matchmaking in particular. So you're a professional matchmaker. So do you usually have men coming to you, women coming to you? What is like the structure of your business look like? I'm super interested about that. Um, for the most part, most of our matchmaking clients are men and women can join our free database to be considered as potential matches. We have clients in New York, LA, St. Louis, Atlanta, Chicago, um, Aspen, <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're kind of spread out, but we have women or women, we have either women in those cities or women who want to date around those cities. Now, if someone is not heterosexual, we do have partners that work specifically with the gay community or the lesbian community or the bi community. Like we have an LGBT partnership with several matchmakers that are the best fit for them, you know, based on what they're looking for and their geography. Um, so that's our matchmaking portion. And then the other side of my business is our coaching portion, which is, um, it's weird. I don't want to say coaching because it's not like women necessarily need to be coached to be in a relationship, but you know, a, what a lot of our coaching program revolves around is, so we have like two parts. We have the Agape intensive and the dating refresh and the Agape intensive is our monthly virtual class where, um, you know, pretend your dating life is an Etch-a-Sketch. Um, the first session, we look at what you've sketched throughout your adult life 
And, you know, who taught you how to do these knobs, usually our parents in our first relationship. And then after that, we shake that, and I'm talking now figuratively speaking, mm-hmm. we shake the Etch-a-Sketch and then we teach you how to use those knobs going forward with understanding, you know, a better idea of what your own personal compatibility and temperament with regards to chemistry is for your long-term match. So we try mm-hmm. to teach you how to be your own matchmaker. So that's our agape intensive. And then our dating refresh includes, you know, sessions with me um, as well, but like one-on-one, but also three months of online dating management. So right now what we're seeing over the last few years is that people are experiencing online dating fatigue. What my company does for many singles is we just take that off your plate and do all of the dating stuff for you. And you just get to experience (laughs) the dates. That that is is so cool. Business side. Yeah. Uh, that is so cool. So yeah, so people are experiencing fatigue. Absolutely. Um, do you think do you think that well, I've heard you discuss before which I would love to talk to you about some of the mistakes that are made with like the online dating profiles, which I'm sure then add to the fatigue because it's like why is this never working? Right. Mm. Um, do you mind sharing some of the mis- the common mistakes with online photos. dating? Yeah. Oh, okay. photos. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm not asking you to, I, you know, I, 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 we now offer online dating photography because we see that like, n- you know, we have, uh, we have like a whole thing to, we have not, na- you know, photographers nationally to help our singles, but I'm not asking you to go into a studio and like put your hand on your <laughs> yeah. chin. There is this art to online dating photography where even though it's a professional camera, it makes it seem like really casual, like you know, here I am walking down the street with a cup of coffee as if your friend just snapped a nice photo yeah, of you. Yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and that's what we're looking for, right? A pop of color. So whenever you do a first photo, you should be looking into the camera, smiling, no sunglasses, no hats, no selfies. Mm-hmm. And your second photo should always be a full body shot um, because that's the photo of, you know, clarity and transparency. Yeah. So, you know, this, the clarification and transparency, excuse me. So, you know, these are the, the two main tips that I would say with photography. And the second biggest tip is r- actually answer the prompts that talk more about you, not what you're looking for. You right. know, thread in there, your interests, your hobbies, your values, your temperament, find a way to talk about yourself. And if you're like, you don't know how to talk about yourself, take an Enneagram quiz and learn what your <laughs> Enneagram is. And you're going to find so many juicy nuggets about your own personality that you can thread in there as you talk about how you like to spend your weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, but as I mentioned, if you don't want to do that, we have an entire <laughs> product that we do that for you and you just, you know, we'll take dating. care of it. We did a pretty good. Okay. So we, uh, we did a couple episodes where we went through people's dating profiles and like critique mm-hmm. them. I have to say we did a good job. We said that we gave that exact same advice. Well, well, you know, I think one of the biggest things that, that, cause I'm like, okay, I'm thinking if I'm, if I'm someone going through it, I'm like, how am I going to respond to this person? Like, and I've heard you speak with someone. I was listening to one of your podcast episodes. And one of my favorite things about you, Maria, is that you just you shoot straight. And it's like, I appreciate yeah. that so much. And one of the uh, the individuals you were talking to, she was like a teacher. And so you were saying the photos needed some work, but a lot of it were her prompts that were very like almost children focused. And there was no place for someone to like interject any sort of question. Like, where do right. I how do I say something? How do I start a conversation? So I felt like a lot of the profiles that we were reading, like some of the prompts, it was like, how does someone 
even reach out and say anything to or, this. Or like you said, they were talking a lot about what they were looking for, which would be re- which was sometimes really specific. And we were like, OK, you're not like it, are these your like deal breaker things? Because it doesn't seem like they're deal breakers. And so you're not leaving room open for more people. People are going to be but shut down when they come. There to your is profile. a way to thread on that prompt. That's actually like so if you were to ask me, like how to fill out the prompt that says, you know, um, what you're looking for. Yeah. I would say I'm looking for a relationship with someone who enjoys doing crossword puzzles at brunch. Yeah. Um, shares in my obsession with serial killer podcasts, mm-hmm. podcasts about serial killers, excuse mm-hmm. me. Um, comma <laughs> and, um, mon- you know, and what's called and shares in my, uh, let's say I'm doing this off the cuff right now shares in my passion for ethnic food around town mm-hmm. like uh you know essentially what i've so done you don't, is I've you don't think that's too specific things. well it's not because i'm telling you what i like to do uh, right and so i'm hoping that i'm looking for a relationship with someone who might want to share in this so yeah. there might be someone who might say like well you got me on the crossword puzzles but i don't know if i can listen to serial like yeah. you're trying to give people a mm. reason to message you mm-hmm that mm-hmm. has to do with us. One of the best profiles I've ever seen, though, is like the most insane profile I've ever seen. I asked her, like, how many messages do you get? She's like, I get 50 messages a day. All she did was she basically did not fill out the prompts. All she did was she had like six photos. Well, maybe she did fill out the prompts. I forget. But she had six photos of herself holding a cucumber in each photo. And in fact, in one of the photos, she had a mask on with cucumbers on them. She's like holding a cucumber right next to her face. Different in different scenarios. Like one, she's like at a wedding holding a cucumber. Another one, she's like in a 7-Eleven holding a cucumber. But she's got all these photos of her holding a cucumber. And it's like online dating is a little silly in, in to begin yeah. with, right? Right, right. So if you can give a, a guy any reason to be like, why are you holding a cucumber in every <laughs> yes. photo? It's yes. like it's like you're in. And she's yes. like, it's genius. And yes. I was like, that's that's great. And if you ask me, my when I was online dating. The photo that I loved using was, you know, me um, in front of a cutting board, yeah. uh, slicing a tomato with mm. like cheese and like, a, you know, salami next to me with bread. And I'm looking into the camera like this. And I said, I'm making a sandwich. Let me know what you want on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it. And that's it. Like, you know, it doesn't have to be like, OK, you know, like you have to think of online dating as an online tool to get offline. Mm. Yeah. You might not meet your husband, but at least you get the dating practice that when someone awesome shows up, you can recognize that they're awesome because of these reasons. We had a good idea, which I feel like falls in line with the insane cucumber one. We were like, Photoshop a ghost in the background of your first photo of you smiling. (laughs) You know, and have someone be like, did you see that creepy child in the back of your picture or something like that? You know, just yeah. like something goofy that, you know what? And then like someone, a beautiful photo of you with that in the back. Well, and someone might not even a Victorian be Victorian child. Yes, yeah. yes, exactly. Someone might not even be necessarily. And this is the hard thing about online dating. They might not see your photo and be like super attracted to you and be like, wow, she's good. Because look, not everyone is like a not everyone's a dime out there. Yeah. Right. Like not all of us are Angelina Jolie. Well, everyone is looking for dimes true but sometimes you don't like there's been so many guys that i've dated where if i saw their online profile and saw like a photo of them i'd be like eh, whatever but i met them in person and they were like they were charming and funny and all these things my point being if you could draw someone into your profile even though they might like snap judgment might not i'm scared of these people like are gonna bring like an evp or something to you like you're gonna you're you're, you might be uh, attracting the wrong kind of guy too but like the cucumber the guy might just be like 
you know, he's just so fascinated by like, wh- like compelled to ask, yeah, why do you have no, all the I, cucumbers? I, I, yeah. any, any reason to it's get a good someone hook. to message you because then you yeah. have a bigger pool to choose from. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, one more question for you. What are your thoughts on on the online dating profile when you have a photo with another person in it? Oh, yeah. Take it I out. That. Take it yeah. out. Okay. We're on the same page. I don't here. mind with women. Just take it out. With men, if it's your second to last photo, I don't mind it, but... Mm. You better be the focus or you better be the better looking one of the guys. I think what women, what women want to know is like, I think what women are looking for when they see a man's photo with another man, it's like, oh, okay. He has friends. That makes me more comfortable for sure. If I see yeah. a man doing a he's, social he's activity. probably single if he's posting his friend's photo with him here. Mm-hmm. Um, like here's someone that can vouch for him. Right. Yes. So, right. Yeah. Yes, would, or, but yeah, you know, you and should this, be the focus. Don't like, I've seen photos where guys look like complete shit, but their friend <laughs> next to them looks like, like the hottie. And you're like, what, what are you doing? Um, I actually think yeah. that's so true because like, if I actually see a guy's profile and it's all just photos of him and they, he, they might all look good. You're kind of like in, in the, my intuition is sort of like, the best this, photo I've seen with a guy and his friends um, is he's with three other guys and they're at, I guess, like maybe like a craft beer place by, by a pier mm-hmm. and they all just have their, they just, they're all just kind of like, yeah, you know, shoulder, uh, excuse me, elbow on the table, looking into the camera, smiling, like all four of them. And it's like, because there's four of them and they're all just casual, it's like, buddies. there's no focus here. It's all yeah. here are my buddies and we're out for yeah. a drink. And it's like, that's nice that he goes out with his friends for yeah. a drink. Like, I love that. You know, that's love nice that he's not you. alone in his apartment yeah. plotting to kill me. Right. He's going or out like with his friends. Camping, skiing, things like yeah. that. You know, you're like, oh, this person has a life. And that's very yeah. attractive to see someone who has a life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, it was great to it chat. Was so we nice enjoyed to talk to you. We enjoyed all of this dating and love chatter. So you have your Instagram at Matchmaker Maria, right? And then yeah, there's just follow me there. Every yeah. if you need anything okay. else, there's a link in the bio that people can <laughs> because find you stuff. do. I love when you do the Q and A broads. You all need to follow. You're going to get so much good advice. Doesn't matter, like you say. Yeah. Doesn't matter if you're married, if you're single. It's all the every things. Wednesday. <laughs> I'm now now that I'm following you. I'm doling out all the advice to all my single friends. Um, I love and, that. <laughs> and then also Thank the you. podcast. Yes, my pod. I also have a podcast every Wednesday. Ask a matchmaker. Yes, yes love it. Yes. Also, I would if I was single, I would join your database because oh, here's percent. the thing: if a guy has the uh, dedication and the financial capability to hire a matchmaker, yeah, totally. match me love- with him, yeah. please. Yeah, totally love that. Yeah, totally, it's it's, <laughs> it's crazy because like um, I know how so many women get in situationships. Like yeah. so many of your listeners are probably right now in situationships, uh-huh. and I know what that looks like. I don't have men like that as clients because no one in their right mind would pay our fees <laughs> to look for a situationship. Like that would be, that would be a sign of a psychopath. <laughs> so, um, cause you know, we are, you know, matchmaking is expensive. Yeah. Very expensive yeah. investment. Um, yeah. but yeah, so I, 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 I get it. I totally get it. Yeah. Men dedicated to the me. cause. <laughs> Thank you so much. We so appreciate you broads. Make sure to check out Maria and uh, we'll chat soon. Chat soon. <laughs>